All right, good morning, IE Church of Christ. My name is Roy Gonzalez, uh, alongside with my now fiance, soon to be wife on December 5th. Uh, we help serve uh, in the campus ministry, specifically down here in the South. And I just want to say how much of an experience it has been to uh, really lead that group because we are just surrounded with uh, devoted disciples that just want to love God and do the work of Jesus Christ. So uh, even though we feel like interns, we don't. And so just shout out to all my campus students that are watching the service uh, this morning. Uh, but uh, you are actually going to have the opportunity to hear from Alicia uh, later down uh, in this lesson. But I just want to say how much it's a pleasure to even have this opportunity. Uh, but before this opportunity, I just want to take the time to just pray right now. Uh, so if you're sitting there at home, tuning in for the service, why don't you bow your heads for a word of prayer as we prepare our hearts um, for this lesson. Amen. Uh, Heavenly Father God, I just want to say how awesome you are. God, you have given us another day. You have given us another morning to worship you, to remember you, and to be loved by you. God, I pray so much for this lesson to really impact our hearts in an amazing way. Uh, but God, it's not what I say. It's not, God, just whatever the service may be, God. But I pray that it's really the spirit that speaks through this morning that can help us to connect with you. God, and we love you so much, and I pray for everything in your mighty son's name. Amen. Everyone in church, say amen if you are excited to worship God this morning. You know, this year, 2020, has been uh, quite an interesting year. You know, I think 99.9% .9 of people will agree to say that we all want 2020 to be over. You know, I, I'm putting up some memes right now. And the very first meme, you know, we see this guy wearing this shirt. And the caption of that meme says, New Year, New Me. Right? How many of us went to 2020 thinking, man, 2020 is going to be all about vision. It's going to be a new year. Um, but more so, this shirt, um, it kind of epitomizes what we've been feeling uh, this entire year, right? Uh, how many of us literally feel like this man? You know, I never really liked words on shirts, but, you know, this shirt really describes my current mood. And we have the second meme right here. It says 2020 every second. But you see, uh, I think that's Billy Mays says, but wait, there's more right in those infomercials. You feel like, man, is this infomercial going to be over? Is it just going to be a product to clean clothes? But no, it also repairs your boat. <laughs> right? But this is our response to the news, right? Like, wait, there's more? Like, can't this year just be over? You know, uh, it reminds me of a time, you know, living in a brother's household, you know, where you literally walk in the door and there's literally a mess everywhere. Uh, and maybe you, uh, you guys are watching that are clean freaks like me, uh, can probably relate to this, but you know, rather than reminding the perpetrator to clean up, uh, maybe pinpointing that person, uh, or maybe being like Jesus and denying yourself and being a servant and take initiative to clean it, uh, we look at that mess and all we want to do is just walk away, right? And hope that maybe if we close our eyes and click the back of our heels, that it's just going to go away. You know, this year, has been an absolute mess. We've been through a lot. You know, as funny as those memes are, 
And as much as we want to close our eyes and just hope that it all just vanishes, all the problems, I think this looks a lot like how we follow God. And a problem that I have been wrestling with all of quarantine, and I'm certain that we see it in Christianity today, is that when things get complicated, we tend to focus on the end destination. That when things get too hard, we turn a blind eye to all the pain. We turn a blind eye to all the turmoil and lose sight on what God is doing amidst the journey. I preached this passage in Mark 6, which will actually be our focus story here at a campus midweek with a focus phrase that in order to get to, you have to go through. I don't know what challenges, circumstances, or complications you might be encountering right now. Maybe you're not even listening to me. Maybe you're thinking about those same problems as I'm talking. Is it the grueling hours of Zoom? Man, just another Zoom meeting uh, while I'm over here just uh, desiring physical interaction, being face-to-face with someone. Maybe that's your problem. Is it your kids not turning on your cam- uh, the, the camera on the computer in the morning? Uh, or maybe the long list of instructions that is Google Meet and how horrible it is to set up your internet and set up Google and talk to your teacher and it's crazy. Maybe it's your job. Maybe it's your job security. Or maybe it's the health of your family, both physically and mentally during this time. And I just don't want to say all that just for you guys to camp on all the hard things in life because I guarantee you I feel those same hardships too. But I'm going to share this next thing just uh, just to give you some hope. To, to give you kind of a little bit more pep in your step to, to focus on our lesson. And, and I want you to listen close because this is the truth this morning. That I firmly believe that God has every intention to take us into a place in our lives that we've never dreamed about. Do you believe that this morning? You know, I firmly believe that the hardships that you are encountering today, that God will provide the perfect solution. And I firmly believe that even though the world has encountered a year of pain, and heartache, and honestly, this year hasn't even gone to a close, that God has prepared for you a decade of healing and prosperity, joy, and peace. But in order to get to, you have to go through. If you have your Bibles right now, turn to Mark 6, verse 45. Uh, and what we read, uh, what we, what we're going to read is actually a story of uh, some newly formed disciples going through a storm. And this will be our story. Starting in verse 45, it says, immediately Jesus made his disciples get into the boat and go on ahead of him to Bethsaida while he dismissed the crowd. 
After leaving them, he went up on a mountainside to pray. Amen. That's our Jesus going on a mountainside to pray. Right? It says here, later that night, the boat was in the middle of the lake. And he was alone on land. And he saw the disciples straining at the oars. Because the wind was against them. Shortly before dawn, he went out to them, walking on the lake. He was about to pass by them. But when they saw him walking on the lake, they thought it was a ghost. They cried out because they all saw him and were terrified. Immediately he spoke to them and said, take courage. It is I do not be afraid. Then he climbed into the boat with them and the wind died down. They were completely amazed for they had not understood about the loaves. Their hearts were hardened. You know, the title of, title of my lesson today is In Between. And the reason why we focus on the story in Mark 6 is actually uh, another translation of a story that we read in Matthew uh, 14. And in Matthew 14, it described uh, the circumstance, the storm that they were in to be this huge storm. Right. But now what we read here in Mark six, I think I wanted to focus on it because this is actually one of my favorite chapters uh, that really helped me connect with how amazing Jesus is in the way that um, it was written. And I'll explain a little bit more because in this chapter, we see some of the most jaw dropping miracles that has ever been done. You know, in the beginning of Matthew 6, Jesus takes an $8.99 special at your local fish market type meal, three loaves of bread and two fishes, and he begins to break them apart and use his power to feed 5,000 people. You know, I can imagine how much of an amazing sight that would have been to witness. I wish I was there. And then what we read at the end of the chapter is that Jesus then is met with a group of people who interact with Jesus and immediately get healed. But right in between these two miracles, Jesus' chosen encounter a crazy storm. And remember that they were just there right on the lake because Jesus told them to. So it's not like it just happened, but Jesus told them to get on that boat. But I want you to imagine if you were one of those disciples on the boat. During this point in time, you know, it's dark. Rain is pouring down hard. And you begin to worry and you panic. You know, later in this story, which then shows us our biggest problem, is that we have a hard time believing that Jesus is actually near. Because like the disciples, they were freaking out. But guess who was watching just a few feet away? Jesus. And the first point of our lesson today is to fix the problem, is to be fixated on Jesus. I'm going to say it again, and I want everyone at home to repeat after me, and we're going to all say it together in hopes, right, that we can believe this, that to fix the problem is to be fixated on Jesus. You know, something that I discovered during this pandemic is how exposed I have been spiritually. You know, I feel like I have experienced record lows in a lot of different aspects of my discipleship. 
Because although the pandemic made life seem too slow, right? Just looking at the clock, it just feels like it's ticking forever. The changes to adjust became way too fast. And what I began to wrestle with in my discipleship, that when opportunities to grow come in my way, I become too slow to change. You know, I worry too much. A lot in this pandemic. And I strayed away from finding peace and being at peace in God's word. I became too opinionated. And Alicia can probably vouch for that. And slowly I became very unreliant to prayer. You know, I became so physically and spiritually unattached. That I began to let go of the joy that it is to be around God's people like my quarantine hairstyle, my spirituality soon followed and resembled it unkept and disregarded. I eventually saw myself getting more angry, being less patient, showing less compassion and craving the numbness that perpetual sin persuaded me that it was going to guarantee You know, as I saw the rest of the problems, as I turned on the news with the rise of racial injustice in our society, innocent people being harmed, civil unrest in our politics and our society. I questioned more times to count, where is God? And like the disciples, I became way too fixated on the elements of the storm that I couldn't see Jesus walking towards me. Where did your relationship with God go during this quarantine? What new depths have you encountered? What new lows have you experienced? Did you lose focus on Jesus like I did? What are you focused on right now? Now, you know, I'm going to have Alicia share and unpack a little bit more of this point, and she's going to get a chance to share her story, but also some of the different storms in her life. Good morning, church. Like Roy said, my name is Alicia Sanchez, and I'm very excited to be able to speak to you all this morning to share a little bit about my in-between experience and to be able to unpack Mark 6 a little bit more. But I did want to take the time to introduce myself. Like Roy said, we are uh, interns right now in the campus ministry, and I have loved my campus ministry experience. And I say that because my life was very different a couple years ago. I was not a kingdom kid. I was raised in a very Catholic household. And so growing up, my focus wasn't really on God, but it was on school and sports and friends and boys and very quickly into my high school experience, I opened up my life to the world and to sin. And thankfully, God took care of me and placed a disciple in my high school that would eventually reach out to me as I was entering my freshman year of college. And in 2015, I became a Christian here in the IE campus ministry. And from that moment on, my life was transformed. I finally had friendships that were deep, that were genuine. I had a walk with God that was meeting the needs that I was looking for in the world. 
And I also had the opportunity to serve at such a greater like purpose than just myself. And I was able to give back in that way. And I say all that because now that we've been in quarantine and a lot of that's been stripped away from us, I've been able to realize that a lot of that was what I built my walk with God on was doing things, was serving the church, was having a full normal campus ministry schedule. That's something I loved was being able to have a day where I had Bible studies and Bible talk and then midweek on campus. And I loved having my quiet times at a coffee shop and prayer walks with sisters. And none of that's bad, but I realized once all that was taken away from us, that that was what I had built my walk with God on. And so obviously all of us experienced that this past March where we weren't able to meet for church anymore. We weren't able to meet with our campus ministry. I wasn't able to see my friends. And very quickly I felt like the normalcy of my life was taken away, as I'm sure most of you have felt. And, you know, we look back at this year, like Roy said, and It was a doozy. It's been a doozy of all the stuff we've experienced from the pandemic to the social injustice to even right now, like basically California being on fire. Like it really can feel like what is next for this year. And throughout that whole time, I realized that in those quiet moments and those moments where I feel like we're in a storm, kind of like those disciples did, that I really didn't have my faith in God. I had my faith in those things that made me feel spiritual, that made me feel righteous. And so those first couple months in quarantine for me were very exposing. Um, and, and I had to like devote my heart to God and figure that out. And at a moment when I didn't feel strong spiritually, my world got rocked even more. And this past June, very suddenly, my family, uh, we lost our grandfather. And for anyone who knows me, knows how much I love my grandpa, how he is an example. He was a father figure to me. And he was like the glue of our family. And to receive a phone call one night that he was no longer with us shattered our world and our family. And I don't know, I'm sure you guys have experienced Um, the loss of a loved one. But that was the first time for me to experience the symptoms of grief where it's nonstop crying, you lose your appetite, you don't really want to be around people was very new to me. And in the midst of a pandemic, in the midst of everything being exposed of the social injustice, we're planning a funeral and we're trying to travel to another state at a time that it's so hard to travel and we're grieving. And I felt like these disciples. I was so focused on the pain, on the sadness of losing my grandfather, on the fact that I couldn't believe that a good God would let this happen, that I couldn't actually focus on God. I remember very vividly being in the hotel room in New Mexico, opening up my Bible, and it was somewhere in Psalms, and not being able to even remember the verse I had just read. Because... I just wasn't able to go to God, to connect with God. I wasn't able to let him into my heart. You know, Roy could attest for our prayer times in that, like those couple months, that most of them ended in me sobbing and crying of of sadness. And it took me a while to fix my eyes on Jesus. It took 
people in my life leading me to scriptures and reminding me of his goodness. And I look back now and it does not diminish the pain. It does not diminish the heartache that I've experienced this year or any of you guys have. But at those moments when I was able to not look at the storm like the disciples were and choose to look at Jesus, and even in the scripture that we're going to go and pack, unpack a little further, it says that Jesus, they let him into the boat and the wind stopped. And so when I let Jesus into my life, it felt like the chaos stopped for a moment, that I was able to experience peace, that I was able to trust that God was still good despite all of the heartache. And so I don't know what you guys have experienced this year, but that was how I had to fix my eyes on Jesus and remind myself that very significant line that Jesus says to take courage because it is I, don't be afraid. Thank you so much, Alicia, for sharing. Honestly, guys, I am so excited to marry her. She is so awesome, right? Um, well, let's uh, carry on with this point in Hebrews 12, verse 2 to 3. It says, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith. Why don't you guys say that at home? The pioneer and perfecter of faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. Fix your eyes on Jesus. You know, the second point of this lesson is to take courage. And like Alicia mentioned, right, um, that this is uh, the best part of this story in Mark 6. It's my favorite part. And I believe that Jesus' exclamation um, when he says to take courage, it is I, do not be afraid, um, really is a direct image of how God loves to work. You know, experiencing God's undeniable love, we are able to experience the mountaintops in our lives and to live in God's glory. When you look up courage in the dictionary, it's defined as strength in the face of pain and grief. You know, I believe that when Jesus said to take courage, it's an absolute call to action. However, we cannot look too deeply in our responsibility in our circumstances. And what, what do I mean by that? I, I think uh, when, you know, times get hard, I, I feel like as a disciple, I tend to feel forced to act faithful or maybe even perform that that maybe I got to do this or I got to do that in order to get through uh, my struggle. And if God said this, then I got to do that, right? But it's I don't really think it's about the responsibility that God cares about, but rather he cares about the response. It's not about the responsibility, but it's about the response. And it's kind of like one of my favorite phrases that I've kind of used as a mantra in my life when times get hard, that life is just 20% of the problem, um, but it's 80% of how you respond. Because when Jesus said to take courage, he was talking to people whose response was out of fear, a lack of faith, 
and even in absolute disbelief, so much so that they thought that the man that was coming to them was a ghost. But what they really saw was the man who performed all those miracles before the storm. What they really saw was uh, the man who was performing a miracle in front of their very eyes as he was walking on water. Uh, what they saw was the man who will eventually endure the cross and die for their sins and raise again. You know, I believe when Jesus said to take courage, it's not because we have to, but because of the one who told us to. We serve an amazing Lord who gives us access to an even greater God. And one of my favorite scriptures in James 1.1, it says, Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kind, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. But not only that, but it says to let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and not and complete, not lacking in anything. You know, scriptures like this shows that God absolutely is aware and knows that in order for absolute transformation to happen in your life, that there needs to be a certain process in between to happen. You know, the scripture is a window to how God truly works. Brothers and sisters, we have to soften our hearts for this. Because God wants to take you from mountaintop to mountaintop, but you have to go through some valleys. God wants to take you from moments of glory to glory, but you have to go through suffering. Lastly, I believe that God wants to take you from peace to moments of peace, but you have to go through storms. But Jesus said to take courage, for it is I. In order to get to, you have to go through. You know, what I pray for this message to do was not to preach at you in times of trouble. Again, this year will go down in history as probably one of the worst years in our generation, hands down. And if you're tuning in for the first time, I want you to know that our family here is full of devoted disciples, followers of Jesus Christ, desiring connection and relatability. And the purpose of that is to become more like Jesus each and every day. But remember all that God has done in the past. And if you truly give your heart to God, you will then soon look forward to what God's going to do in the future. Because we are in the in-between. And as hard as it is, let us fix our eyes on Jesus, trust him, and take courage that Jesus is going to take you through. You know, in a moment we will take communion. And the greatest aspect of the gospel is that all the pain and the hurt that we've experienced has been forgiven by Jesus who shed his blood on the cross. And like Mark 6, reminding us that Jesus wants us to take courage, you know, Jesus brings way more than that.
He brings forgiveness. He brings grace. He brings redemption. And like I said, in order to get to, you have to go through. But always remember that our two, our prime destination is Jesus. You know, I will have Alicia pray us into communion. But I just want to say that it's been an absolute pleasure to have this opportunity. You know, we will continue to pray um, as a church for you as you guys go through some of your crazy storms. I love you all. To God be the glory. All right, church, bow your heads with me. Dear God, I want to thank you so much for this morning, God, that you woke us up today, that we get to still have service despite the state of the world. God, I want to thank you so much for this family that we have to know that we are united through Rancho Riverside and the desert cities to be able to all commune together, to focus on you, to focus on your son, God. I do want to just pray right now that as we're sitting in our beds, in our living rooms, in our kitchens, wherever we're at right now, God, that we can focus on your son. Remember the sacrifice that he made for us, God. I know for me personally, it can be hard and it can be Mm -hmm. distracting to not be sitting in a church pew, but I pray that that does not take away from the significance that Jesus has in our lives. God, I pray for the future that as we are getting through this year, that it's so much more than a burden, but it's a year of victory, a year where we got closer to you, a year where we took courage and put you first, God. So I want to thank you so much for this morning, God. And I want to say I love you and pray all this in your son's name. Amen. Amen.